The long wait for Euro 2020 is finally over. In the build-up to the big kickoff, we are doing something special. We have scoured the Twitterverse to find a representative from each of the 24 nations competing in this summer's European Championships. We'll be recording a preview with each representative who will be sharing views on their nation's hopes and expectations throughout the tournament. And most importantly, the fantasy assets we should be looking out for. Welcome to Euro 2020 Happy Hour. Hello and welcome to our Euro 2020 preview series with myself, Sham, otherwise known as FPL2Guys1Cup on Twitter. And myself, Rob, otherwise known as FPL Panda. Rob, we've got another guest tonight and they are representing a nation that are the current holders of the Euros and that is Portugal and Shez. Shez, welcome. Hi guys, thanks for How having you me think? on. How you doing? I'm well, thanks. How are you both? All good. Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> for that, Rob. No, I've just got the there. giggles tonight. Yeah, no. we've had to re-record the opening like three times because I kept on laughing. Um, so anyway, Shez, tell us about yourself. Uh, what football team you support? Uh, you know, what you do? If you like FPL? Sure. Uh, so I'm a big United fan, uh, general football fan. Um, and I'm into FPL as well. I think I may have beaten you, Sham, this year, but we won't go into that. <laughs> um, but no, uh, all things football and, of course, Portugal. My pride right. and joy. For those that don't know, quickly say, you know, me and Shez used to have a podcast together. You might recognise his voice from, we used to have the FPL Two Guys One Cup uh, uh, podcast. And so it's nice to have you on, Shez, uh, representing Portugal. Yeah, it's, so, a, bit, it's uh, a bit weird for weird for me because you, you two guys were like the first podcast I listened to when I first started really? listening to podcasts. You were one of the first. And so I'm like sitting here feeling like, my bit of a third wheel here, like <laughs> feel not like at guest, all. You, you're the guest on you two, your two show. <laughs> no, 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 upgraded me. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, um, right. Yes, talk to us about Portugal. So, um, how did you guys do in qualification? So, qualification was a slow start. We drew our first two games to Ukraine and Serbia. So, um, yeah, it didn't start very well. But from there on, we, we played pretty well. Um, we came second in the group overall, and that's predominantly because we lost to Ukraine away 2-1. Um, yeah, I mean, disappointing. You, you would expect Portugal to be topping this group. Um, and that essentially has resulted in, you know, the group that we're facing in the Euros now. Okay, so the qualification didn't go great, but how did you guys do in the Nations League and how have you done in the recent World Cup qualifiers? Because obviously though the European qualifications was quite some time ago. Uh, more recently, it's it's been mixed as well. So we lost to France 1-0 uh, November last year, November twenty. We beat Croatia 3-2, um, and that was the Nations League games. And then in the World Cup qualifiers, we beat Azerbaijan 1-0, and we drew Serbia again 2-2. Okay, so I guess over the last um, 
couple of years since the qualification and then um, the the, uh, the Nations League and the World Cup qualifiers. Who have been your most kind of important players? Because obviously when you won the Euros uh, some time ago now, your main player was kind of Ronaldo and it felt like that was all that there was to that side. It was Ronaldo kind of carrying the side. Is that changed or is it the same sort of um, feeling? I mean, it's changed to the extent that we've got a much stronger squad. So I think in 2016, you know, Ronaldo did everything. And don't get me wrong, he still does pretty much everything. <laughs> so we scored 22 goals in the qualifiers and Ronaldo scored 11 of them. Right, okay. So, so we are still heavily reliant on him. But if you look at the rest of the squad now, we've got strength all over the team from the keeper, back line, midfield. You know, we've got real depth, which we previously didn't have, which is, which is positive because, I mean, I think in 2016, we stumbled across the group stages. We got through as a third place team. Um, we didn't win a game in 90 minutes until the semi-finals against Wales. But this time round, I actually feel more confident. Yeah, I was going to say, it feels like almost, you know, you've got a better squad than you did in 2016. And actually, should you be more confident that you, you know, you could win it again? We certainly have a chance. Um, but part of the issue of Portugal is... Our biggest strength is also partly our weakness. Ronaldo is now 36 years old. So relying on a 36-year-old to score most of your goals is always dangerous, although I know he sort of defies age slightly. Um, and also in terms of our back line, Pepe was immense in 2016. He's 37 years old. Wow, okay, yeah. So, so very uh, much an ageing team. We've got those two that are ageing. But then we've also got some very good young players coming through. Uh, Ruben Diaz of Man City, who's sort of 24. Um, and we've got a few of the sporting boys. Pedro Gonçalves, who is 22, I believe. He hasn't been capped, but he's been phenomenal this season. He scored 23 goals in the Portuguese League and they won the Portuguese Liga. Okay. So before we go into like the detail of some of um, these players that are important for Portugal what would you say the main strengths and weaknesses of the side are would you say it's the defense or attack or where should potential fantasy managers be looking at not in terms of players but in terms of positions so this is where I think we've got strength all round um, defensively I don't expect us to concede many goals um, particularly with a partnership of Bruno you know, Ruben Diaz and Pepe potentially um, midfield is strong, um, but that's potentially not necessarily somewhere to look for within fantasy. There are one or two players which we can go into um, and then attack, obviously, Ronaldo. I mean, the guy is just a machine, so it's difficult to look past him. OK, so let's talk about the main players for you guys. Again, not from a fantasy perspective, but uh, from an in real life. Uh, Ronaldo aside, because we'll talk about him in a couple of minutes, who else is important to this side? So Ruben Diaz, he's the linchpin of the back line and he's pretty much a guaranteed starter. Well, he is a guaranteed he's, starter. He was immense, immense for City this year. He was immense. Um, so, you know, if Portugal are going to have a good tournament, he's going to need to be solid because he's going to have an ageing centre-back next to him. Yeah. Um, within midfield, um, 
there is likely to be some rotation, particularly on that central midfield part. But further up the field, I expect to see goals and not just from Ronaldo. Bernardo Silva contributes a lot more to Portugal than I believe he does for Man City. You know, he gets a lot more advanced um, and he contributes assists, goals, etc. So he's definitely someone to look at as well. Okay. Um, what about Jota? Is Because I've noticed he's scored quite a few goals for Portugal recently. Is Would you say he's an important player for you guys? He certainly is. So he wasn't heavily involved with the qualifiers, um, but more recently he has played. And in his last two games, he scored three goals. Okay. Um, obviously, he is just coming back from injury um, and his place in the side isn't guaranteed. So that's the only thing to be aware of. But okay. if he does start and he does you know, have a run of games, then he will certainly be getting some goals. Okay, so let, let's talk about Ronaldo then, um, the talisman. I normally ask the question, what does he bring to this side? But I feel like with Ronaldo, it's almost like a stupid question. Uh, what what um, doesn't he bring to this side? What doesn't he bring to this side, yeah. Uh, um, what, how important with his age now is Ronaldo to Portugal? Is he, is he a has-been or is he still like really important? I think with Ronaldo, he's the one player to an extent you almost ignore his age. He yeah. was top scorer for for Juve, top scorer in Serie A this season. He scored 29 goals. Everyone said Lukaku had a phenomenal season. Lukaku only scored 24. So he got five goals more than Lukaku. Um, he's just a machine. You know, the way he looks after his body, he, he's, you know, he's 36, but he's almost in the body of like a 32-year-old. Yeah. I mean, you could... You could argue that this might not even be his last major tournament. Like, if he keeps himself in this shape, you'd think he's going to be in Qatar. Um, Absolutely. Like, because he's, I think he's still got two or three seasons at a top level in him. You just, you just, you look at him and you can't see, yeah, thirty-six-year-old man, can you? You can just see um, someone that's like still at their peak of like their form and their sporting career. Um, he just, you can't see him retiring. He's just brilliant. Um, mm. And he has been for, well, the best part of what, 15, 15 years now? Probably more than that. Um, almost probably closer to 20 years since he went from sporting to Man United. And yeah, he's just brilliant to watch. And it's, um, it's great that, yeah, now, like you said earlier, this Portuguese side... There seems to be a lot more better players within the squad that can actually help him so he doesn't have to almost carry the team. I think at previous tournaments, you've kind of seen him not get weighed down, but you could tell that there's this huge pressure on him to produce. Um, and when he hasn't had that support around him, it's maybe found it difficult at times at the big tournaments. Would you agree? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I think we saw that in 2016. You know, we were relying on him and he did carry us all the way through to the final. And even in the final, when he got injured, I mean, he was still running the show from the sidelines. So. <laughs> Manager Ronaldo. <laughs> yeah. Um, you mentioned off air that there's a couple of um, youngsters from Portugal. And you mentioned that in terms of the squad is that is going. 
Um, not necessarily, again, from a fantasy option, although they might be, and we'll talk about that soon. Tell me who these youngsters are that um, our listeners may want to kind of watch out for and listen who had a good season this year. So there's a few youngsters from sporting. Um, and the reason I, I mentioned the club specifically is because they won the Portuguese league this year. So they're coming into the Euros ultra confident. They hadn't won the league for 19 years. Um, and so I think that only benefits the national team. So there are there are a couple of players. There is um, a young kid called Nuno Mendes who plays left back. And he started the last two games for Portugal in that position. Um, really versatile, can play left back, left wing back, left midfield, uh, left attacker, pretty much anywhere on the left side. Um, it's got huge potential. Uh, so he might get a start. There is Pedro Gonçalves, who has replaced Bruno Fernandes at Sporting. And he scored 23 in 32. Wow. In his first season. So, um, incredible. Incredible. The guy's he hasn't been capped by Portugal yet, but he's been selected for the squad. Uh, so, if he gets a chance, if someone like Bruno isn't performing and this young kid gets a chance, he could do really well. Interesting. Okay. Before we move on to fantasy options, then let, let's look at the group of death, uh, because that is what everyone is is calling it. Um, France, Germany, Portugal, and we won't talk about Hungary. Um, what, what are your thoughts of this group and how do you get out of it? Where, where do you sit within it? It's not ideal. Yeah, I mean, I guess Portugal are sort of paying the price for finishing runner-up in the uh, qualifiers. Uh, look, it, it is the group of death. There's no getting away from that. Um, I think Portugal are fortunate in a way that we, the fixtures have fallen. So we've got Hungary first, and you would expect Hungary to be the whooping boys, although we did draw with them in the Euros. We drew three all with them. So there's there's no there's no guarantee that you know we're gonna um, beat them easily. But if you you go into that game and you don't get a win, you're shitting it. Like you don't win against Hungary and then you've got France and Germany to go. Do you think that's like added pressure that you think would be good for Portugal, or is it a case of that's that's a non-option really? Generally, Portugal perform better when they're under pressure. They always make okay. things um, hard for themselves. So um, pressure is not necessarily a bad thing, but I'm not sure we want to go into the France and Germany games needing you know, two victories. Yeah. Um, but saying that, I, I do expect us to beat Hungary. Um, we then have Germany next, and I think that's the key game for Portugal. Yeah, because we spoke to the Germany rep, actually, and he said that um, Portugal don't have a good record against Germany. No, that we don't in at all. Recent times no. that Germany have always beaten Portugal. We we always struggle against Germany. We've actually got a better record against France than we do at Ge against Germany. Um, but saying that, I would expect France to top this group. Hmm. So I think it's I think it's between Portugal and Germany, between who comes second. That's why I'm saying that second game is key. Um, but I think it's worked out well for Portugal in a way because if we can get a victory against Hungary. And let's just say even a draw against Germany. If France have won their first two games, they may potentially rest a few in the final game. Yeah. yeah I mean, <clears throat> even, yeah, four points from those first two games, it, that, that, that you're going to be in the, 
you're going to be in the round of 16, like no matter what, it'd be just whether you finish second or third um, by advance. But if they, yeah, if they've already qualified, maybe, um, yeah, they, they rest a few players, you stick out the big guns and try and sneak away of a win and topping the group um, with the win, if, if it all worked out like that. Um, but I'm not sure whether if Portugal got four points in the first two and France got six, I think Portugal might, might players like, well, Ronaldo would probably get, you'd probably give him a rest, wouldn't you? Um, possibly. Um, but yeah, that second game, I think is the key one um, for the group. Um, there'll be a lot riding on it. More so maybe for you, for Portugal, because Germany have got that third game against Hungary, which they've got as their backup, maybe. Um, I don't know. I guess... I guess it depends what happens between the French uh, and France-Germany game. Because if France beat Germany, then Germany can't afford to lose to Portugal. Hmm. Yeah. So it's an interesting group. Um, bearing in mind, you've got sort of three of the sort of top five, six favourites in the same group. Yeah. yeah. I, I guess the good thing is you can come third and still go through, right? I think that's the positive thing out of this. If you couldn't, come third then that would be shit <laughs> that would be really tough to I get think, out of well, i think the tough one in this group with coming third is that it is going to be low scoring um and i think at the last euros when they had they brought this format in um the fifth and sixth worst teams um in third place only went out on goal difference and it probably could mean that that game against hungary is actually the key one um, for whoever's finishing third um, in the group because it could be whoever scores the most against Hungary um, that finishes third. No, that finishes. Yeah, second. I, I've always seen, and and I don't know if this is just um, a bias or anything. I've always seen Portugal as uh, a side that have been solid at the back but low scoring generally. One nil, two nil wins, not kind of four one, three one kind of. Would you say that that was like in the past and actually now with the new players coming through the Jotters and Bernardo Silvers and that front three with Ronaldo there actually you guys are a lot you can score a lot of goals um because you did mention that um you think the the threat is there in attack I'd agree with both points actually we, we are certainly more structured when Santos came in he sort of changed the whole DNA of the team um and he made us sort of defensively stable so we don't concede too many um and previously we didn't used to score too many but now with these attacking players you know if we get an early goal against hungary i can see us scoring quite a few interesting interesting okay let's look at fantasy then now um now i guess two questions before we go into some detail on some players Firstly, are there any players here that when you look at the squad, you think are out of position? So any players that play in midfield, but actually listed as defenders and vice versa, etc. with forwards? So none in terms of defence. Midfield, Danilo Pereira will be playing holding midfield, but we've only taken three centre-backs. So if we get any injuries to them, he'll drop into the back line. And he's done that a few times this season for PSG. The other players who are sort of potentially uh, out of position are Jota, uh, Jean Felix, 
and Bernardo Silva because we'll be playing almost a 4-3-3. So they'll be essentially supporting Ronaldo up top. So you, you almost consider those more as forwards rather than midfielders. So that there's there's some value there. Kind of like the Salah and Mane thing. In, Absolutely. In yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Okay, interesting. And are there any players here that you look at and you think, wow, they're well overpriced or well underpriced? Overpriced, probably Bruno Fernandes. And people will be probably thinking, why, why is he saying that? Because he's incredible for United. The difference is he's the talisman for Man United. For Portugal, he's not. That, that's Ronaldo. You know, Ronaldo takes the penalties, any sort of free kicks within distance of goal, Ronaldo will be taking them. So Bruno's involvement is a lot less and he plays a little bit deeper as well. So for 10.5, he's certainly overpriced. Um, underpriced, you have got Nuno Mendes, which is the 4.5 million defender. Now, the caveat with that is he may not be starting. He started the last two games for Portugal, but I don't expect him to start. I'd expect Guerrero to start. Okay. So I guess is it uh, waiting for what happens in the friendlies over the next um, kind of week and then that will give you a good indication as to who will start? Or you think Guerrero definitely starts really? I'd be surprised if he doesn't, um, but I think the friendlies will certainly be an indicator. I, I would say about sort of eight to nine positions within the team are pretty much fixed and there are maybe one, two or three which are up for grabs. Okay, so I guess whilst we're on that subject then, what 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 positions are fixed? Uh, which players are fixed and which ones are kind of undecided at the moment? So Patricio should be in goal. Sorry, and sorry, just before you answer that, what um, formation as well do you normally play? So it's going to be sort of a 4-3-3. Um, but obviously Bruno ahead, slightly ahead of the two in midfield. Okay. Yeah. So almost a sort of a, a four-two-three-one, but not quite. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so keeper will be Patricio, uh, the Wolves keeper. Um, defense will be Cancelo at right back. It will be Ruben Diaz. The other centre back is slightly open. Um, because both Pepe and Josef Font are both really, I mean, one's 37, one's 36. So there's no guarantee that any one of them can play. I didn't even know Font was still playing. <laughs> he, hell. He, uh, he won the French League with Lille this season. Wow, I didn't even know that. So um, They're wheeling him out so for it'll the, be one of the Euros. The... <laughs> 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 um, so it should be Pepe, but again, that's there is scope for rotation there. Um, and then left back, as I mentioned, it should be Guerrero, 6.5 million. In terms of midfield, now this is where there are a few places up for grabs. I was going to say, because your midfield options, you know, when we've been doing these podcasts, um, this midfield option looks like taking up the whole screen <laughs> it's like oh my god where's all the midfielders yeah <laughs> Why is there so many i mean we, yeah, we've already we... touched on like the likes of jota and felix that you'd argue they're forwards um i think it's like the fact that there's only two recognized forwards um as it were um but yeah the the quality as well in that like the selection of midfielders um 
yeah, it's just vast. Like, yeah, who who starts then? So it should be Danilo Pereira in sort of holding midfield. The one next to him, this is sort of an open position. Um, I think in the first game, we will go with Moutinho, simply because we'll be looking to attack Hungary and Moutinho is a playmaker. You know, he brings other players into the game. Um, Bernardo Fan Bruno, Bruno Fernandes in front of them. And then we'll have Bernardo Silva on the right wing. Left wing is another open position. It's either going to be Felix or Jota. Okay. And the thing is, we, we just don't know because Felix hasn't really been playing for Atletico Madrid this season and Jota's just come back from injury. And then Andre Silva up front with, with Ronaldo on the bench, right? Uh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's interesting, like, with the people that have done the pricing, that they've priced Felix and Jota exactly the same. I think they don't know either. Because um, normally someone would be 0.5 more or something um, just to kind of make a difference. But yeah, they don't know who's they don't know who's starting out of those two. Um, and they've both got like fours and fours and like pros and cons on both on either of them starting. Um, I think, yeah, you probably argue maybe Felix slightly ahead of Jota. Because of fitness and I, the good season in the La Liga with Atletico as well? I think so. But there have been games where we've played with both of them. So one of them plays in the Fernandez role in the centre, and that's usually Felix, and then Jota on the left. So if he's feeling brave, he could do that. But I, I'd be surprised if we start like that. I, I, I think to an extent he'll be wanting to start the first game almost as a preparation for Germany and France. Yeah, get the win, but also be prepared for the big game, two games that are left to come. Yeah, absolutely. So who do you think are the main options then for this Portugal side? Uh, where do I start in terms of who you believe there's a kind of that pool to pick from? Fantasy perspective. Yeah, from a fantasy perspective. Um, so Guerrero, the left back, 6.5 million. I appreciate he's very expensive. And is that possibly the most expensive defender in the game? I don't know. I don't think we've got a 7 million defender, do we? No. no. There's a few 6.5s, um, but no 7s. So. He's, he's really attacking um, in the Bundesliga this season. So he plays for Dortmund. In 27 games, he got five goals and 10 assists. Wow. That's a lot. So it's, you know, one in every two almost. But where you're saying that you've got Mendes at left back, but you're not sure because this guy started the last two, but you expect Guerrero to, to start. Do you think that is a, a not worth the risk at 6.5? I, I would risk it for Hungary. I think he'll start. I, I would be very surprised if Mendes does start. Um 6.5 even if you're benching him it, it's the last game um of that match day mm. and i appreciate okay 6.5 is, is a lot to have on your bench but i think it's a game that he could do particularly well in interesting okay yep gone so else? that that's possibly the only defender i would consider um you've got diaz for six million he's he's got a couple of goals recently but he's not really known as a prolific goal scorer 
Um, it doesn't really get any assists as a centre-back. In terms of midfielders, there are two that I would consider. Bernardo Silva, he's nailed on on the right-hand side. And he was the second highest goal scorer in qualification behind Ronaldo. He only scored three goals, but that shows you how many goals Ronaldo scored. <laughs> um, but he got six assists. Um, so he's good value at 8.5. Uh, and like I said, he, when you see him play for Portugal, he seems to be getting a lot more into the box compared to when he does for Man City. So definitely Bernardo Silva is one, one to consider. The other one is Jota. Um, now, obviously, as we mentioned, there's a risk with this. We, we don't know when he's going if he's going to start, whether it's going to be him or Felix. If he does, we've seen what he can do for Liverpool. It's really, in, it's, I mean, I think uh, everyone wants to know about this Portuguese side because no matter what the strategy is um, that you've got um, with the chips, you're going to be having three of these guys, well, you want three of these guys in um, targeting that first match day, get yourself off to a flyer. Um, and yeah, I think it's just, it's trying to, it's trying to pick two that complement that 12 million prize tag of Ronaldo so that you're not yeah then, I guess you're not Ronaldo a must absolutely I think for that absolutely. first game it's special I mean my thoughts at the moment um in the other game that I'm playing um is Ronaldo where there's no chips so I'd, I'm getting Ronaldo and then I'll be moving him on for Mbappe and then moving him on for someone else, like following that hungry fixture, basically. Um, and it's, I think even if you weren't planning to use a chip in um, match day three, um, I think everyone probably used one in match day two, but match day three, it's an easy like move from Ronaldo into one of the other premium players that have got an easier game. Um, like so that you don't have to face him off against France. Um, although if if Portugal are chase, chasing a win and um, France are sort of got one eye on the round of 16, he could be a potential captain option again. Um, we've seen him come up with the goods against the top sides before. If we get wind that Jota is going to be playing, do you think that he can be enough instead of Ronaldo? Or is he uh, as well as Ronaldo? I think it's as well as. Okay. The, the I... reason being, it's uh, Ronaldo is he's a machine, and he's there are records which he'll want to break, particularly in the Euros. So he's six goals away from Ali Dyer's all-time goal-scoring record. So bearing in mind, the most he's likely to score against France and Germany is maybe one. One each, that, that's two goals. He gets a hat-trick against Hungary. That gets him through to the knockouts. And then even if he gets one in the knockouts, he's broken the record. I think that's what he's going to be going for. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we all, we all know what, like, I think, and it's deservedly so, the man can have an ego. Um, but he's, he's fed off that ego for his whole career and it's just made him better and better and better. And if he, if that's his target... Um, or one of his target, like his first target will be to win the win the tournament with Portugal. Um, but 
one of his other targets is going to be to break that record, get it out of the way, and then he can start again in the autumn by extending that record. Um, yeah, I, I like I wouldn't put it past him breaking that record in this tournament. Um, and he he could potentially just do it in the group stage, like if he has if he has a good day against Hungary. Um, and it's the fact that we know that he's going to take free kicks. We know that he's going to take penalties. No one else is touching them, are they? So, like, really, if you, I don't think it's one of these cases. Oh, can I, like, with Salah and Mane, can I cover Salah's returns by getting Mane instead? I don't think it's like that. I think it's very much a. You'd be looking at a player from another team altogether to try and cover those returns. Absolutely. I think Portugal are a little bit unique from that sense, just because Ronaldo's a greedy bastard, so he's <laughs> he's not going to... Which other two players, then, are you looking at, personally, to, to get as well as Ronaldo? So, I, I think for match day one, I'd probably have one defender. If if you're concerned about the risk of Mendes starting, then you could go for Diaz to be safe, or Cancelo. Yeah. The, the two of those will be starting. Um, you could go Bernardo Silva. He's nailed on. And he's Is that who him. you're going to be going for? I'd probably go for Bernardo, Ronaldo and Guerrero. I think it's a good moment to say that Pep is nowhere near the Portuguese team, so Cancelo can't get rotated. <laughs> <laughs> um, telling, telling FPL managers to um, bring Cancelo in for match day one and then he gets rotated <laughs> out <laughs> and <laughs> Santos decides that Samedo should start. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it'd, be, it'd just be hilarious. Um, I, I was looking at Cancelo, actually, as, like, I know we've just said about co- trying to cover Ronaldo, but do you think he would cover Guerrero at 0.5 less? Because um, pro- we've seen he provides an attacking threat. Um, he might have been unlucky, City this season where he was rotated a lot and then just like those 50-50 shots and crosses weren't going in for him. Do you think he'd be worth it? He's an option. Um, I think I would either fork out the additional 0.5 or I would go cheaper and either go or go Pepe. He's likely to start at 5 million. So you, you either try to bank the clean sheet at 5 million or you go for Guerrero and hope that he can get some attacking returns on top of the clean sheet. Is Cancelo as attacking for for this Portugal side as he usually is for City? He is attacking, but it's it's slightly different. I think with City, he sort of cuts in and almost becomes an additional midfielder. Right, OK. For Portugal, he's more of a traditional right back. OK. Um, so just to go over what you've discussed in terms of fantasy options, and you know, if I've forgotten, just let me know. Um, so Ronaldo is a is a must, basically, you know, in terms of how much he delivers for Portugal. And then good options are Bernardo Silva. Um, did you say Felix was an option or not really? It, it depends whether you feel he's going to start the first game, and then that's the difficulty. We don't know whether Felix or Jota is going to start. That, that's why it's a real punt, uh, and I'd probably stay away from that. I, I would go so Bernardo Ri- Silva. 
So really in midfield, the only real option as a guaranteed starter is that's worth getting is is silver. Yes. If Bernardo if Bruno Fernandez was cheaper, then I would say him, but not at 10.5. Okay. Uh and then Guerrero is a really good option at 6.5 because he's attacking. Is is he on who's on corners for you guys? So it'll be Moutinho and Fernandez. Okay. Interesting. Uh, Rob, have you got any other questions? Yeah, it's just tough with, like, I think we've got unlucky um, in a fantasy way with the way that the draw has gone and that these teams are going to be playing on the last day of each match day. So you're literally going to be, you'll have, well, they'll be playing the day before the deadline in the previous match day and you, like, for match day two and match day three, and so there's there's not even going to be a press conference you can rely on for any of the info. Um, you're just going to have to look at the look at the friendlies, and I think for me that means that Felix and Jota for match day one are a no go, and which probably then means they're a no go until the round of 16, um, which I may come back and look at them depending on how they've done in the group. Um, yeah, it's just a. I think it's a shame, really, because because that first fixture, you'd you just want all as much info as you can, and all we're going to get is two friendlies. Um, one of which, like the second one, is on is that on Thursday evening or Wednesday evening. So it's um, yeah, it's it feels really close to the tournament, and they might not even play full strength to start off with, so you don't learn anything at all. Um, yeah, it's just tough, tough. Um, Shez, just quickly before uh, before I forget, uh, you mentioned a couple of uh, youngsters. So you mentioned Mendes, and then you mentioned uh, the sporting midfielder. Was it Gon Gonzalez? Gonzalez, yeah. Um, does he start? Do you think that he will start? No, after having yeah. a good season, he hasn't been capped. So I'd, I'd be very surprised if he just came straight in. Um, it's one of those that if Bruno doesn't have a good tournament, you know, if he doesn't play well against Hungary, this kid could be given a chance. But I can't see him starting against France and Germany. It's one of those that if we get through to the knockouts and we have a reasonable fixture and, and he's playing well, then you consider him. But otherwise, it, it's a bit of a risk at sort of 7 million. Okay. Uh, Shez, is there anything else that you'd like to add that we've forgotten, either fantasy-related or Portuguese-related? No, I mean, I think, you know, we've talked about Ronaldo and, you know, he is expensive, but I think you are running a risk if you don't get him in for match day one. Okay. Uh, Rob, any other questions for Shez? Who do you think is going to win it? If, if not Port if it's not Portugal, who's going to win it? <laughs> um, I, I was going to say if Portugal get through the group, I think they can go pretty far. Um, I think France will win it. I think with Benzema back, he'll uh, propel them to the title. And who's getting the golden boot? Is it Ronaldo? Ronaldo for the golden boot, or do you think Benzema or Mbappe or Harry Kane? I think it'll be between Ronaldo, Kane and Benzema. I've got my punt, Gerard Moreno. 
<laughs> Gerard Moreno. Six point five million. That Spain that Spain rep sold me. He <laughs> sold me. Roll sold me. <laughs> um Moreno had a really good season. I think um I think he's a really good child. If Spain can do well. Do well. <laughs> right. We'll end, the, we'll end the Portuguese pod talking about Spain. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Shez, thanks for joining. I uh, really appreciate you um, coming on, and both me and uh, Rob both appreciate it. And I'm sure all the um, listeners will as well. Uh, for all the listeners, thanks for tuning in. Please like and subscribe and look out for our next instalment. Have a great day. Bye bye. Cheers, guys. Rob, we've got another guest tonight, and they're representing a nation. Nati- oh, can we restart that? <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a long night. <laughs> I've only done that. Like, you haven't, you haven't fucked up the. In- you haven't fucked up an intro yet. Hello and welcome to our Europe. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Just making me laugh already. I'm going to make a cup of tea. <laughs> <laughs> I've kept all of this recording, so I'm (laughs) I'm keeping this. (laughs) Right.